Hi, I'm Daniel Lukies, and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today, I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, and of course, best-selling and award-winning author, no other than Mr. Alex Schwarzman. Hi, thank you very much for having me on your program. Welcome to Book 101, Mr. Alex, and can you please introduce yourself? I am Alex Schwartzman. Uh, I am a writer, translator, anthologist, and editor. Um, I've written uh, and have published over 120 short stories in all sorts of magazines and anthologies. I'm also an author of three fantasy novels and an editor of over 15 different anthologies, including uh, the one that we're talking about, which is coming out uh, just next week called The Digital Estate. Sounds interesting, Mr. Alex. What age did you realize that you're good in writing? Well, uh, it actually happened quite late because English is my third language. So uh, I came to this country from the Soviet Union and I was around 13 or 14 years old when we first came over. I was already very interested in science fiction and fantasy, but I didn't speak English. So I pretty much gave up on the idea that I would ever uh, be able to have the, you know, the level of mastery of the language to write in it. Uh, and uh, for many, many years, I held on to that belief that my English probably wouldn't be good enough. Uh, fortunately, I finally came over that uh, doubt and fear and started writing short stories uh, well into my 30s. Uh, and I discovered that those stories were finding homes. The magazines were buying them and publishing them and people were enjoying them. So uh, that gave me that confidence boost that I needed to spend more time and more effort on writing and uh, just never looked back. I've been uh, I've been writing for well over a decade now and, uh, and and hope to continue for many more. Who are your favorite authors that influence you the most? There are so many. And if you ask me this question for a year straight, I will probably give you different answers uh, every single day of that year, at least somewhat different answers. Um, <laughs> some of my absolute favorites, uh, Mikhail Bulgakov, who is the, author, the Russian author of uh, The Master and Margarita, which is which I consider to be one of the greatest novels of the 20th century, uh, both uh, in, in, in speculative fiction and overall. Um, for among English authors, uh, I really enjoy Mike Krasnick. Um, I really enjoy uh, some of the works by Neil Stevenson. Um, man, they're, they're, I could probably fill an hour just talking about the authors that I love because there's so many of them. <laughs> Sir Alex, if you describe the writing of your favorite authors, what is it or what are they? Well, I think what attracts me to speculative fiction in particular is the sense of wonder. It's uh, it's the, the larger-than-life story arcs and characters encountering these fascinating uh, things that can't happen in real life. So because of that, I tend to gravitate towards space opera and urban fantasy. They're very different subgenres from each other, but they both have that, you know, uh, really something really cool happening, that feeling that you get when you're watching maybe Indiana Jones and 
something completely out of this wor world comes along. At least it did for me when I watched it as a kid. Uh, and and so I, I really enjoy those kinds of books. And, you know, there's so many different authors that, that write awesome books in, 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 that, uh, in those genres. Uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky is a recent favorite. Uh, I've been pretty much picking up and reading every single book that he puts out in a variety of genres. Uh, Simon R. Green is probably my overall favorite urban fantasy author, and he's got dozens upon dozens of novels. And he's also written uh, in a variety of genres as well, so I guess that's a theme. I think talented authors don't tend to corner themselves into just one, uh, into just one type of book. So, uh, but there, again, there's a lot, and I think it's really important to keep checking out new authors and discovering new favorites. So you don't just stick to uh, whatever it is that you've discovered many years ago and, and ignoring the uh, the new stuff that's being put out. So, Mr. Alex, did you get those writing style in your writing? I think that I've I would like to think that I developed my own. Uh, most writers, when they start out, they tend to try and imitate uh, one or more of their favorites. But the longer they work at it, uh, you know, once you've been doing it for a few years, if you're doing your job well, you will have your own style. You will have something distinct that uh, people who read you constantly will recognize, even if they, even if your name is not on the page. Uh, and I think that all writers should strive toward that because if you don't have a unique voice, um, you're really missing out on a lot that you can bring to to your audience. So when I first started out, uh, yes, of course, I tried to replicate some of the uh, some of the stylistic elements from Simon R. Green from Douglas Adams, from all, you know, all sorts of authors. Uh, Mike Resnick was another uh, you know, early favorite that, uh, um, you know, whose work I've uh, enjoyed and tried to replicate in certain ways. But by now, I would like to think that uh, my voice is uniquely mine. Very well said, Mr. Alex. So if you describe your own style of writing, what is it? A lot of it revolves around humor. Uh, I found uh, when I started out on my writing journey, I never expected to become a humorist, to become somebody who writes funny fiction. Um, and some sometime after a couple of years of doing this, I stumbled upon an idea. I guess I was feeling particularly feisty that day, and I started writing a humorous story, not taking itself too seriously at all. And I found that it just flowed. I, I really was into it. Uh, it, it, it. It was coming off much more easily than like the the more serious dramatic stuff. And I the readers seem to connect with it much better as well. So while certainly not everything I write is humor, a very good percentage of it is. Uh, two of my most recent novels, a lot of my short stories, uh, a lot of the stuff that I've edited uh, is all humorous. And so I kind of found that lane and uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's interesting because writing humor, people kind of think that you must be a comedian or, or somebody who is just very witty and can go up on stage and do stand up. Uh, but you don't. The great thing about writing is that you don't need to be funny at that particular moment. You have time to make your character sound like they're funny, uh, uh, you know, off the cuff. But you yourself have all the time in the world to craft that joke and, you know, work on it and make sure that it uh, that it reads funny to the reader when they when they finally encounter it. So, Mr. Alex, what is your short term and long term goals in writing? Well, the, I guess the short term goal is to uh, you know get 
more recognition for my novels, get get more readers on board with my work. Uh, the primary reason for most writers is not the money, is not the chance to get like a movie deal or anything like that. It's really to share the stories that we all have inside of us, uh, and that need is uh, is is so strong, with, you know, in in most writers that I know, that I think that's a, that 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 has to be the primary motivation. So the uh, it it stems logically from that that for most of us the goal is to find as many readers as possible. As far as the long term goal goes, uh, there's so many different books, there's so many different ideas that, and again, I think that this is. Uh, probably true for most writers, not just for myself, but we all have this kind of like file or notebook or just a, a corner of our own mind that's filled with ideas. And so the long-term goal is to turn as many of those into full stories, novels, um, you know, any kind of form of storytelling and get them out to the readers as, as I can manage in the lifetime. Very well said, Mr. Alex. But before we go on, I want to shout out to the people listening in. Let's shout out Bulgaria, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I was just there a few months ago. I was very fortunate to have been invited to uh, their science fiction convention, Bulgacan, as the guest of honor. And it was such a wonderful experience. The people were so warm and friendly, and it was just one of the best trips of my life. So I definitely would love to shout out uh, the Bulgarian science fiction fans and just, you know, a wonderful community that uh, uh, th- th- that they have in Plovdiv and Sofia. Yes, people. Let's shout out to the people listening in Bulgaria. In Sofia, capital, I got 83% audience share. In Varna, at 17%. Thank you so much, Bulgaria, for supporting this podcast. Because this podcast is created in power writers all over the world, like Mr. Alex Schwartzman. Did I correct pronounce your last name? Yep, you do. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Alex, let's talk about your anthology, The Digital Asset. Yes. I tend to get myself in trouble by using. SAT words in some of my titles, which is probably not the smartest idea, but when the word really fits, I want to use it. So the most recent novel I wrote is titled Kakistocracy, which uh, for those listeners who don't know the term, it basically means the the, the form of government by the worst of us. Um, oh, oh my God. For this, okay. for this particular book, uh, the digital estat is, it's an anthology of short stories about the interaction of uh of uh, artificial minds, robots, uh, in, in artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it, and art. Uh, and it's been such a, an important subject. So many people have had opinions and, 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 and interest in the subject ever since we've seen the emergence of the large language models like Midjourney and ChatGPT. Uh, it's become very mainstream. It's become very interesting to a lot of people. And it's also become a source of uh, a lot of concern and anxiety for writers uh, because they're worried, are they going to get replaced by, you know, robots telling the stories instead of them? Uh, You know, same same as the artists. I mean, the artists are looking at these beautiful uh, mid-journey images that anybody can just spit out and they're worried about what's going to happen with their jobs in the next 10 years or, or even 10 months. So, What's the best thing for for a writer who has anxiety about a subject to do? It's to write a story about it. 
So I capitalized on the interest of this and I came up with the idea of a digital aesthetic, which is somebody, an aesthetic is somebody who appreciates art. Uh, and uh, I, uh, you know, and I asked all sorts of writers from across the globe to come up with different ideas of how that interaction might happen, especially when we do have true artificial intelligence, because what we have now with, uh, you know, ChatGPT and MidJourney, they're called AI, but they're really not. They're just something called large language models. They can never become sentient. Um, but I'm, I was interested in, and there are some stories that kind of cover, you know, the subject of those types of programs. But I was also interested in thinking intelligent minds the, in the way that Isaac Asimov and other science fiction writers, classics, have envisioned it. When you have a robot that can make their own decisions and, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, be uh, a being of its own, how would they interact with human art or create their own art, et cetera? And so that was the, the premise. And I've had writers, uh, you know, uh, th there are translations from a variety of languages. There are authors from, um, you know, multiple continents uh, that, that, that have contributed stories to this book. So I'm very, very excited to present them and to show readers just how different and how many, how many, ideas that are so unlike each other um, all of these authors have presented so mr alex is it ai is a good invention for humanity well the jury is still out um i'm an optimist i'm a glass half full kind of guy so i would like to think that as with so many other technologies and inventions we will ultimately model our way into using it in, in a beneficial manner where it's going to be a net plus for humanity rather than a net minus. I don't think that the danger is uh, artificial intelligence becoming self-aware and going to war against us like we've seen in movies like Terminator. I think the danger is in how other human beings will use this technology and whether, you know, you know like, when, like think about it, uh, think, think about it, uh, the atomics, right? The technology is great for powering our cities and for you know a, a cheap and relatively safe source of energy, though even that is arguable still. But people have also used it to create bombs, and at some point, our entire civilizations could potentially could potentially be destroyed by this technology. So it is really the human beings that are the risk factor, not the technology itself. I would like to think that AI and large language models kind of fall into that same category, where if used responsibly. Uh, they could really be a game changer in the same way as inventing the internet, uh, you know, and, and the internet becoming widespread in the early 90s, or smartphones becoming widespread in the in the late aught of the, you know, like in, in like 2007 and later. Uh, so this could be a similar game changer to that, which will completely transform our society, but it could also cause a lot of harm if you know, human beings responsible for these decisions will make the wrong ones. Wow. Interesting opinion, Mr. Alex. So can you describe the research process behind this anthology? Well, as an editor, uh, my job is a little bit easier in a way than that of the writers, because my job is to identify which writers would be perfect voices to have something to say on the subject and why then to convince them to actually write a story for me, right? 
so that's part of the process. And there's a lot to, you know, a lot of it comes from reading widely and knowing, being familiar with the work of a lot of different writers, of being able to make sure that you invite people who will have different perspectives and they're not all going to say the same thing. But then because it is such a specific field, I also, you know, I'm not a, a I'm not a computer scientist. Uh, I don't have a degree that would help me, you know, or a PhD or anything like that uh, in artificial intelligence or, you know, and I'm not even a, a programmer, but I have been reading um, all the popular science, you know, advances. I've been playing with these programs using Midjourney, using ChatGPT, using Bard, um, reading the opinions of really smart people who write about these things, uh, you know, for magazines and for, you know, and so uh, to stay very well informed. And part of the challenge is that this is such a fast moving train. The information that we have is, you know, and then the opinions on it, everything is changing so fast that I was actually worried that when I wrote the introduction to the anthology several months ago, it would be outdated by the time the book comes out. You know, and we're talking about months, not years. So, uh, you know, so I'm kind of like, I reread it recently and I'm like, no, okay, it's still, few, it still stands up, you know? Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely, there's a lot of, um, you know, you have to know the subject matter in order to be able to work with the writers and kind of steer them away from mistakes, steer them away from just kind of like falling into the dogma. Um, there's a lot of sort of, inaccurate information out there uh, about this, J just like with anything else, when people are concerned about something, they tend to get really dug in with their opinions. And, you know, you'll have people who will say uh, any LLM is evil. They're all, uh, you know, just there, they, you know, they're, they're just there to steal intellectual property from people who have actually, from human beings that actually created it. And that's that. And then there's other people who, are absolutely convinced that you know these uh, in, these models, the, 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 the these huge vast data models, are the best thing since sliced bread, and that you know all of this IP stuff doesn't ultimately matter because the you know the the the, the ends justify the means essentially. So I think that with most things, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And there are ethical and responsible ways to use this technology, just like any other technology. And we as human beings just need to grow up enough to, to be willing and able to use it in that manner. What challenges did you face while editing or compiling the digital aspect? One of the challenges which is consistent for my projects is that I am absolutely committed in getting different voices heard on any, uh, you know, on any subject that I'm editing on from outside of the Anglosphere. I want writers who are in other countries, in, you know, who, in other parts of the world, because very often uh, they will see the world a little bit differently than Americans or the Brits. And it's really important for us to hear their voices. So for this book, I was able to get several authors from Ukraine. I was able to get several authors from China. And then I was able to get authors from other parts of the world, uh, you know, Czech Republic, Chile, uh, Madagascar, all sorts of places. And finding these writers, especially the writers who are not themselves writing in English, they're writing in their, you know, in their languages, and then connecting them with the proper translators, but also being able to identify who they are, um, you know, when, when I don't necessarily speak all those languages. 
that's a, a, a monumental task, but I think it's worth it because the project is so much richer for, from having those additional perspectives. So, Mr. Alex, what's one theme or message you hope readers would take away from these anthologies? Well, I hope that ultimately they will come over to my point of view in that this technology is not inherently good or evil and that there are a lot of different ways to use it and we can see some of the ideas and some of some of the predictions that the authors make and don't get me wrong uh they are all over the spectrum there are there are stories that see a positive like almost utopian futures that uh, could be brought by this technology but a lot of the stories are pretty dark and they kind of like most science fiction they are the authors are trying to alert us to hey if we don't change what we're doing this is the possible future that we're facing so i think it's really important for readers who are interested in the subject matter to get both perspectives and get a, a richer more complex view of it so they're not just sticking to like either side of the dogma how do you handle criticism both constructive and negative i would like to think that i handle it pretty well um most writers uh need feedback they need uh to hear from other people because we're never the best judges of our own work and i can tell you that as an editor even new york times best-selling authors and uh and, and hugo and nebula award-winning authors they all need editing they all need feedback and sometimes it'll be something that's relatively obvious but we don't see it in our own work as a writer on the same way so being able to accept feedback and then figure out which parts of it to act upon and which parts of it to ignore is a really important skill that every writer needs to develop so i have trusted beta readers and i have uh you know friends that are just fans who are willing to read my work early so whatever i write something uh, i send it over to those readers and i get the feedback and i make sure that they give me a, a raw honest unfiltered feedback I'm not afraid of hearing that, hey, this sucks, or this really didn't work for me. I didn't understand it. I didn't laugh. That's okay. Those, those bits of feedback, they're really gifts because by being honest with me and by giving me any kind of negative feedback like that, they're ensuring that by the time the work is actually completed and goes out to readers, there's the, the likelihood that the reader will actually like it. The, the, the end consumer, I guess you would say, actually likes it, increases. So I think that having, you know, having a little bit of a thick skin is, is really necessary because another bit of feedback that all of us writers get are rejections. Whether you're a novelist or a short story writer, a lot of the time you will send your, your work out to an editor and the editor will just send you a form back saying, thanks, but that's not for us. So if you take that personally, if you get upset about it, you're not likely to succeed in this business because rejection is a natural part of the process when i edit an anthology that has an open submission window which means that you know anybody can send me work i will typically get about a thousand submissions and out of that thousand submissions i'm able to buy maybe 10 or 12 stories so no matter what there will be really good stories perfectly publishable ones perfectly good ones that in in, a, in another year or another anthology would have made it in that i have to pass on because there's only so much room and so as a writer, I'm conscious of that as well, that when I send my story out there, 
it may be a good story. It may not be quite as good as somebody else's that the editor read that day, but ultimately I have to accept that sometimes I'll, I'll get an acceptance letter and sometimes I'll get a rejection, which is more important than any kind of negative feedback that you get because that actually matters whether whether readers get access to your work ultimately or, or, or not. So Mr. Alex, rejection make you perfect or in the progress in the future? It's not that it makes you perfect. It's that if you can't deal with rejection, with getting stretches upon stretches of time when you're sending out stories and you're getting like the, these forms that are kind of like impersonal, um, if you can't handle it, it's less likely that you'll be able to cut it as a writer because nobody gets 100% acceptance rate. Most of us get more, even professional writers, award-winning writers, we get more rejections than we get acceptances on average. And that's perfectly normal. It's just how the industry is set up. So the ability to deal with that is super important. Yes, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any advice for aspiring writers out there? My advice would be to A, keep trying, uh, not, not, not to give up too soon. Uh, I know, unfortunately, too many writers who, who showed tremendous amounts of promise and they've had a few things published here and there, but they could not deal with how tough it is to make it as a, as a working writer. And it really is very difficult, just like with any creative field. You know, if you look at actors, uh, if you look at musicians, only a tiny percentage, the ones that with the names that we recognize, the names that we think of when you, when you say actor or musician, they are a tiny tip of an enormous iceberg. And then there's a lot of people out there who are struggling and spending years and years and years trying to break through. So writers are the same way and you can't give up because you don't know when that opportunity will finally strike, when, uh, you know, when you will create something that really resonates with readers and you don't know which piece of work is going to be. Uh, the story that is by far my most successful uh, piece of writing, uh, it's a short story called Explaining Cthulhu to Grandma, uh, which is a funny story. And I wrote it kind of as a throwaway thing. I didn't think twice about it. It was just something I did for fun. Turned out that it won an award. It's been at to this at this point. It's been published, and I think in at least ten languages. Uh, it's been reprinted a whole bunch of times in you know in, in in magazines and anthologies. And if you asked me at the time when I wrote it, never in my life would I have predicted that it's going to be at least for a while my most successful piece of writing. So the important thing is to keep going, to keep producing, keep creating things, sending them out into the world, and seeing what sticks. Yes, indeed. So how has the publishing process been for you? Well, I've been very fortunate. Um, so I wrote a fair amount of nonfiction. So I got, you know how they say that you need to write a million words before you write publishable fiction? So I wrote most of that million words before I ever wrote any fiction. So by the time I started writing short stories, I had a pretty good toolkit for being able to express myself on the page. So once I started, uh, you know, getting get, get, getting the stories out there, um, I started getting those acceptance letters pretty quickly. Or I might have also uh, quit. I don't know. I mean, that's that's that that that's the tricky part is you lose a lot of talented people because of the because of how difficult it is. And 
you know, if I was less fortunate with uh, with my early success rate, I'm, we, may, we may not be talking right now. So, uh, and that journey is a long and arduous one. You know, even the successful writers, uh, most of us do not become successful overnight. It takes, you know, years and sometimes decades. And so, again, it's important to just keep plugging at it. And, uh, you know, because you don't know when your next book, like George R. R. Martin, he was a, a, yes, he was a successful writer with many awards, but he never had a huge commercial level of success until he wrote A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, and then that book really put him on the map with casual readers and, and, and made, him, made him a bestseller. But he's been a working writer for several decades before that. So you don't know, you know, that success could come to you as a young person or it could come to you, you know, when you were in your 60s or 70s even. So uh, the important thing is to keep going. Yes. Try and try until you succeed, as they said. <laughs> exactly. Before we go on, Mr. Alex, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chefs in one of the best five-star restaurants in downtown Toronto. And listen to our latest episode. We talk about spice people. Spice is one of the ingredients in the kitchen to make your food delicious. Plus one more, our books are out. Not only one, but 12 volumes, people. Food 101, volume one, basic, up to 12 is only the books that you need. How to create a delicious food. Available on Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. So, Mr. Alex, what's the most rewarding aspect of being an author? Well, in a way, it's this opportunity to speak to folks like yourself, the opportunity to go to conventions and participate on panels and talk to readers. The best part, absolute best part of being a writer and if somebody comes over to you and says, hey, I read this book and I really enjoyed it. It made me feel better. It made, it made me laugh. It, you know, it, 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 made, it, it gave me that sense of wonder. Anytime you have an interaction like that with a reader, it makes all the hours of working by yourself in front of the computer, like locked in the room, totally worth it. Totally agree. <laughs> so how do you feel about the current state of publishing industry nowadays? It's rough. But I also see opportunities. Uh, so we we've seen, you know, the, the 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 advance of independent publishing, where a lot of people are not relying on a small number of, you know, uh, of, of of companies in New York City uh, controlling most of the industry. But that also became challenging because anybody can get published now, which means that there's a, a flood of material out there, and a lot of it is not necessarily all that good but it makes it much more difficult to be discovered. So if you write a great book, it's easy now to get it out there, even if you don't find a publisher, but it's hard to connect it with the readers. Uh, and the challenge, the next challenge, I think that what's, gonna, what, what, what's going to be happening next is people are going to rely more and more on folks like yourself, uh, you know, highlighting books that you like and, 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 and ba basically being tastemakers, being a stats to use the uh, to go back and use the term from the from from the anthology, um, and that's an opportunity as well. So I think that people who uh, you know people are going to seek out some affirmation that the work is good, whether it is because it has a, a publisher's name on the cover that they recognize, 
or an editor for an anthology that they've read before, or they will read a review or listen to a podcast. Uh, those are the opportunities. So that's, that's going to be much more important nowadays than going on a book tour to, to bookstores or, or doing these other like really expensive and clunky ways to promote your work. So, so I'm not too pessimistic about the state of the publishing industry. I think that it's always been a, a, a tough road and that's not necessarily going to change, but there's plenty of opportunity to discover new writers and everybody who is listening right now can actually participate in this because you all have your favorite, or, or you all have your favorite authors. You all have works that you really enjoyed. Take those extra couple of minutes and write a review on Amazon and Goodreads, tell a friend, uh, you know, share the book that you liked on social media. That will help your friends discover the books that you like, but also it will really help writers and especially writers who are not necessarily at the level of, you know, Stephen King or, uh, you know, some, you know, or, or Isaac Asimov, but people who are trying to find their audiences. Very well said, Mr. Alex. So if you go back, and give advice to yourself when you are first starting out as a writer, what would it be? Well, absolutely. My, my first bit of advice would be start sooner. I, I waited until I was into my thirties and I really, even if my English was imperfect and it's still probably imperfect. I mean, I still have an accent and you know, I'll get something wrong, but that, you know, editors exist for that and revisions exist for that. So starting to write sooner, taking more chances, experimenting with different voices and styles and not being afraid, not being afraid to fail, not being afraid that the story will not work out or the book will not get picked up. Uh, we all have very little control over those things. And the one thing that we all have control over is how much we actually get out on the page. And you can't you know, sell a book if you don't write the book. So get that, get that story that you have in your head Stop making excuses. Stop saying that you're, you know, busy or uh, this is not the right time. And 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 there will come a, a stretch in your life where you have all this free time to write a book. That may never happen. But all of us have half an hour here and there where we can sit down and write a few hundred words. And the important thing is to get that to do that and to do that consistently. And that is absolutely the advice that I would give to any starting writer as well as to myself if I could travel back in time and do so. Yes, people, you stop procrastinating. Go for it. If you have the passion of writing, go, go, go. Because probably you are in the best of the making. Like Mr. Alex Schwarzman, where can people reach you or can see your work? So the best place to start is my own website, alexschwartzman.com. So when you see my name uh, affiliated with the podcast, that's just, that that's the website. It's really it's really easy to find. On it, I have bibliography. I have all of my short stories and my novels linked. Um, there are samples on YouTube where you can listen to bits of the audiobooks of my work. Uh, there are links to all my anthologies, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, Blue Sky and X, uh, as far as social media is concerned. And I'm... Uh, you know, people can ask me questions on there. I'm usually really good at responding to everybody. I don't mind interacting with people. In fact, I really enjoy it. And then there's conventions. I try to uh, to go to science fiction conventions every few months if I can and interact with the readers. And uh, it's just really rewarding, I think, for 
uh, for all parties involved. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pretty easy to reach and find. Like, I'm I'm online, uh, you know. Uh, but the the AlexSchwartzman.com is the best place to start. Yes, people, let's support Mr. Alex because if you support him, more and more books to come. Mr. Alex, are you available next week? You can. You are most welcome to come back. Are we gonna squeeze you in? <laughs> if you if you're available because i'm fully booked this month but if you have time for me i'm gonna squish you in i will definitely make time for you if you would like i would certainly be happy to come back just let me know when you need me and i will uh you know work try try to rearrange my schedule for you yeah can i can we do the same time the same day uh, let me check my calendar. So today is the 9th. That would be the 16th then? Yes. Let me check. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. Okay, let's talk about your latest novel. Perfect. Yeah, and then, like I said, that's it's really fresh still. So so that will, you know, that that that's it's only been out for a few weeks. So it'll that, be a good time to to do so. That'd be awesome. And thank you, Fitzwat, for being the number two best book podcast on the planet. Thank you so much. And number one in the art book category. Thank you so much. And Fitch, listen notes. Thank you so much for my latest score of 26 and belong to 10% popular show globally. Thank you so much. So, Mr. Alex. Can you invite our listeners to support your latest anthology? Thank you so much for having me. And again, this book is called The Digital Estat. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it linked from my own website. Uh, you can find it on the publisher's website uh, at Arkmanor Kasich or in your favorite bookstore. It will be available widely worldwide, ebook, print, uh, you know, all, all the usual ways that you can read a book. And uh, please check it out, support our authors. And uh, if you like it, again, the best way that you can help is just to spread the word, tell a friend, you know, write a review. Um, it doesn't have to be a five-star review, whatever you think. Uh, just getting that number of them up there um, is really helpful to readers and, uh, and, and help, helps the authors for the discoverability of their works. Definitely. Sir Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Morikan people, see you soon.